Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. We're back together once again for Texas Ag Today. Well, you know, COVID-19 has definitely caused a supply chain problem here in 2021, and that's definitely the case for agriculture. We're seeing supply shortages of equipment, parts, chemicals, and even if it's not the chemicals, it's the packaging for the chemicals. Lots of issues with supply chain problems here in 2021. We'll take a closer look at that coming up on today's show. My name's Kerry Martin. I am proud to be a part of the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos, and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. As researchers continue exploring canola's potential in the Texas High Plains, there was an experiment with planting times this past season. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. Experiences of a lifetime at the Texas FFA State Convention. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. The wet weather has had our farmers and ranchers scrambling all spring, but the rain has left our old country looking pretty good. Hello, I'm Barry Mahler, and I have the story in today's report from the Rolling Plains. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The fallout of the COVID-19 pandemic has caused supply chain issues throughout the economy, and agriculture is no exception. Jessica Domel has the story. Supply chain disruptions caused by the coronavirus pandemic and other factors has made getting some chemicals, parts, and other farm and ranch supplies difficult this year. Eleanor Oftenkamp, Pioneer Field Sales agronomist, says sometimes it's not even the part you need that's the problem. We all know in this day and age that supply and manufacturing has been a challenge throughout the pandemic and then for other reasons as well. Our chemical industry has really seen that at the forefront across every company, every portfolio. And there's been challenges, whether it was getting the tops or labels for a jug to be able to send it out. I was hearing that they didn't have like the little cardboard piece to seal the jugs, so they couldn't, weren't able to sell chemical and distribute it. So that's been a challenge all year long. Um, I think we're at the point in the season where maybe it's not as heavy as a concern as it was, but absolutely still a concern and be having those conversations of what you might need, you know, in the coming months early and often with your chemical dealer would be the best way to mitigate that so that you can come up with a plan A, B, and C. That was Eleanor Oftenkamp, Pioneer Field Sales Agronomist. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. U.S. cotton stocks are increasing. That's according to USDA's World Agricultural Supply and Demand Report released Monday morning. USDA raised its U.S. crop estimate by 800,000 bales up to 17.8 million. That took U.S. ending stocks from 2.9 to 3.3 million bales. However, they lowered the world carryout by 1.6 million bales. Research continues on growing canola on the Texas High Plains. James Hunt has an update from Amarillo. 
For several years now, Texas A&M AgriLife researchers have been exploring possibilities for winter canola in the Texas High Plains. In the latest round of research, a big focus was on planting times. It has been established previously that in order to limit the threat of winter kill, it is best to plant canola in our area in early September. But in the latest go-round of research, AgriLife agronomist Jordan Bell and her colleagues decided to experiment with a late winter planting, shortening the season, which, if it worked, could, among other things, save some water. Unfortunately, Dr. Bell says the researchers found that grain yields from the February-planted canola were disappointing, apparently because the later planting did not allow for sufficient vernalization. Vernalization is the cold temperatures and the duration of cold temperatures that are required by different winter crops for the plant to transition from vegetative production to reproductive development. And winter canola does have a vernalization requirement. But despite a letdown on the grain side, Dr. Bell says the February-planted canola did produce a large amount of biomass suitable for silage. So that's something that I think would be very interesting to evaluate moving forward if we are looking at areas where we might not get a fall forage crop planted, could it be possible to come in and plant something in February and supplement forage with that February planting date? At the present time, most of the canola produced in the Texas High Plains is sold to dairies as silage. But is there a future for canola to become a significant grain crop in our area? That's tomorrow's topic. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The Texas FFA convention was held last week in Fort Worth. Tom Nicoletti talks with one FFA member who is there. My guest today is Ryder Stevens. He is joining us from Springtown, which is about 30 miles west of Fort Worth. He will be a senior at Springtown High School uh, in the fall, uh, but uh, last week he attended his first FFA state convention. He is uh, the vice president of the Springtown FFA chapter, and uh, Ryder, thanks for being with us, and uh, what was that experience like for you? It was a good experience. I learned a lot from not taking life for granted and always making time for family, and then I also learned how to sit in a professional meeting and parliamentary procedure, and I just made a lot of great lifetime friends and memories. Thousands of students from across the state attended uh, the convention either in person or virtually, and uh, the theme of this uh, 93rd annual state FFA convention uh, that was in Fort Worth was uh, Elevate. There were a number of sessions uh, talking about leadership, uh, the journey, achievements, the future, Elevate Influence. Uh, talk about uh, that aspect and what, uh, what that means to you. Yes, sir. The state officer team did a great job this year. They really put it into like high school terms on what it means to take care of your future now and how you can make your future better now. Just plan it for college or whatever you want to do in life. Yes, and you are planning to attend college after graduation uh, up in Wyoming uh, at uh, Western Welding Academy. And uh, so you have your sights uh, set on uh, your future as well. Yes, sir, I do. What else did you uh, gain from the FFA convention as far as just uh, interaction with other students, whether they be from your area of the state or from uh, other areas of Texas? At the convention, I met people who, if FFA wasn't around, I would have never met from the Panhandle or from South Texas and really just made friendships with them in just that short little week that we had together. What other uh, aspects of the convention uh, will you carry forward with you as you move towards your senior year? Probably not being afraid to talk out 
and voice your opinions, but also not being afraid to share your story because everybody has a story and we all come from different backgrounds. And certainly uh, being an FFA member uh, locally there in Springtown has been uh, rewarding for you over the years and uh, has enriched yourself as far as your uh, goals for the future. Yes, sir, it has. The FFA has helped me with my public speaking and my leadership skills and also just making friends just in the areas around me. That is Ryder Stevens, vice president of the Springtown FFA chapter, on his experiences at the state FFA convention. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The wet weather has left the Texas Rolling Plains looking good here in 2021. Barry Mahler reports from Wichita Falls. Things are beginning to settle down to a more normal routine here on the rolling plains of Texas as the wheat crop is harvested for the most part. Cotton is in various stages of growth. The grain sorghum is headed out and farmers and ranchers are beginning to get caught up and back on schedule. As hard as it is to complain about rain because we tend to be short more often than long, a wet spring really has had us scrambling. We had rainfall totals reported to be as high as 15 to 18 inches in many areas through May and June. We generally start wheat harvest the last few days of May and tend to be in full swing by Memorial Day and, well, pretty well wrapped up by mid-June. This year, the combines didn't get rolling till mid to late June and had to push hard to get finished up by Independence Day. All of the harvest activities seem to be cut a day or two and then sit on the sidelines a few days due to rain. Now, getting the harvest out timely not only is important to harvest the highest quality grain, but also to let the custom harvesters get finished up in time to move to their next location as the grain rain ripens to the north. The good news is is that for the most part, the crop was good, with yields running from just above average to very high. Farmers that invested in the high-end inputs saw good returns this time. The weather allowed the high fertility, weed control, and fungicides to really shine. Market has held better than a lot of folks expected, and it is a very unique situation to have a good yield and a solid price all at the same time. The cotton crop is in and emerged, although a little later than most folks would like. Stands run from short to good, and there are lots of questions remaining about this crop. Sprayers will be running hard to clean up the grassy weeds that show up when it rains on the crop before it can provide a canopy of shade on the ground, and farmers will need good weather for the cotton to catch up before a fall freeze shuts it down. It's going to be very important to get a crop set and to hold on to it by keeping insect pressure down. There just isn't enough time on the calendar for it to recover. One thing that is good about spring rain, it sure helps get our native and improved pastures in good shape. And all in all, our old country looks about as good as I can remember seeing it going into summer. This is Barry Mahler reporting from North Central Texas for Texas Ag Today. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department is now accepting applications for its Drawn Hunt Permits Program. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Ag Today. And transporting horses across the country increases the chances of respiratory disease. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has some hints on how to avoid that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas Farm Bureau Insurance has protected fellow Texans with auto, home, health, and life insurance since 1952. With more than 260,000 square miles of land and 27 million people, that's a lot to cover. Whether you're wrangling cattle or wrangling kids, we're proud to protect Texans in all Texan ways of life. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to get insurance for Texans 
by Texans. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Well, some folks transport horses a long distance, sometimes across the country, sometimes around the world. But these long-distance hauls definitely increase the chances of that horse getting respiratory disease. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd tells more about it. Respiratory disease is common in horses that are transported long distances, either by plane or truck. Early detection of an infection can improve the outcome of these cases, and in the past, rectal temperature of the horse was relied on to detect travel-associated infections. However, a new test has been developed to determine if infection is present in horses called serum amyloid A, or SAA. It has been shown that infection, trauma, and cancer can trigger the release of chemicals that causes the liver to produce SAA, and SAA is released quickly and can be measured in the blood. SAA has been shown to increase in as little as 6 to 12 hours after inflammation or infection and decreases rapidly with a decrease in inflammation. To determine the effectiveness of measuring SAA for finding horses with infection versus taking temperatures, 122 warm blood horses were tested that were flown from Belgium to Miami, then to Mexico City and back to Belgium over an 18-day period for the purpose of showing. The rectal temperatures and SAA values were tested before the trip and at every stop during the trip. Results indicated that an increased SAA value was much more reliable than the temperature for finding sick horses. An SAA is available in a stall-side blood test that just requires a drop of blood. Many of you haul horses all over the country for shows and rodeos, and hauling has been shown to decrease immunity and increase the chance of respiratory infection. Sometimes it is difficult to know if your horse might have an infection or not, and getting a veterinarian to check your horse's SAA level after a long haul might be beneficial. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department is now accepting applications for its Drawn Hunts Permits Program. Jessica Domel explains in today's Wildlife Report. Kelly Edmiston, TPWD's Public Hunting Program Coordinator, says the program was started in 1954 to get hunters involved with the management of natural resources on state-owned wildlife management areas. We manage wildlife on our own property just like landowners manage the land on their property, which normally involves the taking of excess wildlife deer to promote plant diversity. So we've been doing this since the mid-50s and operating a drawn hunt program where we can distribute the opportunity in a fair and equitable manner to everybody in the state. Hunters have a shot at almost 10,000 permits in 61 hunt categories this year. So we actually have drawn hunt categories that run the range from alligator to archery deer to spring turkey to feral hog to javelina to exotics. We have several deer categories that run gun, either sex, gun, doe, spike, gun management, which is usually a particular kind of buck that we're trying to get taken. And we also offer youth-only categories where we have similar type categories to our regular ones, but these are designed specifically for youngsters, where the adult or adult supervisor accompanies a youngster out in the field on a state park or a wildlife management area. We've expanded this to not only include, like I said, wildlife management areas and state parks, but we actually have some of this opportunity that takes place on private land. You can apply now on the TPWD website. That is tpwd.texas.gov. 
tpwd.texas.gov. Deadlines vary, but the first application deadline is August 1st. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dolmore. We saw a higher close on Tuesday for cattle, cotton, and corn. We'll take a closer look at Tuesday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Did you know that one out of every three mouthfuls of food we eat is produced by insect pollination, most of which is done by bees? In fact, bees are vitally important to food production. That's why modern agriculture is working with beekeepers to promote bee health. Ensuring a sustainable food supply requires each of us to play our part in preserving the land and protecting pollinators. This public service announcement is brought to you by Syngenta. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. It was a higher day on Tuesday in the cattle complex. We finished in positive territory for both live and feeder cattle futures. August live cattle up a dollar ninety-two, one twenty-one seventy-five. The October up a dollar thirty-seven, one twenty-seven seventeen. December live cattle up ninety-two cents at one thirty-two thirty. August feeder cattle up 67, 158.82. September feeders up 62 cents at 161.62. October feeder cattle up 70 at 163.65. Cash fed cattle trade fairly quiet on Tuesday. We did see bids at 119 to 120 here in the south. Asking prices from the feedlot at 122 or better. Now, we did see some sales reported on Monday up north. They sold several thousand head at 125. Of course, we've been seeing that big spread in price between the north and the south here for about five bucks over the last couple of weeks. Boxed beef prices mixed choice down $1.79, $273.21. Select was up 81 cents, $259.58. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. When you hear Auctioneer Troy, it's time to go down to Three Rivers. Riley Roads, Live Oak Livestock, Three Rivers. Riley, you've had quite a bit of rain, but I understand you still drew some numbers and had a good sale. Oh, it was uh, steady with uh, with the uh, way it was kind of be- uh, before the 4th. Uh, I thought the market was just about the same as it was then. I uh, had light volume today. Ended up with 522 head like we talked about. It's uh, wet weather and everything kind of slowed the run down. Uh, but market was good. Uh, had a few pairs. Uh, brought from 875 up to 13 and a quarter. Had a little string of bread cows. Uh, brought from 750 to 1225. Uh, Packer cows pretty much steady with them uh, as it was 70 to 76 on the high yielding cows, 64 to 72 on the breakers, 44 to 62 on your canners. Uh, Packer bulls, same story, 92 to 98 on your high yielding bulls. 74 to 92 on your low to medium yielding bulls. The two to three weight choice steers, 170 to 190. Heifer mates, 148 to 172. Three to four weight choice steers, 168 to 184. Heifer mates, 142 to 160. Four to five weight choice steers, 170 to 186. Heifer mates, 140 to 156. Five to six weight choice steers, 160 to 184. And the heifer mates, 138 to 152. Uh, six to seven weight choice steers, 142 to 156. 
heifer mates 128 to 140 and seven to eight weight choice steers 126 to 142 and the heifer mates 114 to 128 so got along good you know market nothing wrong with the market uh, lots of demand out there and uh, i think when it dries up a little bit we'll have a little bit more volume good we'll tell everybody how to get a hold of you riley 361-786-2553 is the office 361-813-6650 is myself webpage liveoaklivestock.com thank you riley and thank you my texas farming and ranching neighbors for listening to walking the pens on the texas farm bureau radio network i'm your host larry marble good day Cotton traded on both sides of the market Tuesday. We ended up settling higher with the October and December contracts both up 30 points. The October closing at 88.77, the December at 88.46. USDA releasing its weekly crop progress report showing 56% of the nation's cotton crop in good to excellent condition. The corn market got a little crazy. The old crop July contract is about to go off the board. It's a very light volume, very low open interest contract. So sometimes when you get down to where there aren't many contracts to trade, things get a little crazy. July corn was up 80 cents at one point during the trading day on Tuesday. Now it did settle down. We ended up closing with July up only seven and three quarters, 677 a bushel. The new crop month higher September up six at 551 and a quarter December corn up seven and three quarters 540 and three quarters the wheat market lower in both hard and soft wheat September Kansas City wheat down three and a half 611 and three quarters September Chicago wheat down seven 633 and three quarters rough rice sharply higher September rice up 16 cents 1305 and a half. Soybeans slightly higher. The November contract up one and a half, thirteen fifty one and three quarters. July soybean meal up twenty cents, three fifty five ten a ton. In the energy markets, August natural gas down a nickel, three sixty nine. August crude oil up a dollar seventeen, seventy five twenty one a barrel. The financial market slightly lower. The Dow down eighty four points, thirty four thousand nine ten. The Nasdaq down 37 at 14,695. The S&P down 11, 4,372. Well, that wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up another edition of Texas Ag Today. Don't forget, we'll be right back here tomorrow to bring you all of the latest news in Texas agriculture. My name's Kerry Martin. Hope to see you then, right here on Texas Ag Today. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.